Well, we hope we uh, have all had a good time this week, and we have uh, a little bit more time tomorrow morning as well. It's been good to think together about living as uh, Christians uh, in this world, and especially as our families, as uh, married folks. I especially have appreciated the uh, instruction we received this past week about marriage and relating to one another, and um, uh, I, I, th- I think I've learned something, I think, uh, about, about marriage. I'm, I'm always needing to learn more, uh, for instance, about my wife, you know, and one thing, one thing I've struggled with uh, is that, you know, my wife uh, complains that I don't buy her flowers, you know, I know, isn't that, isn't that sad? Uh, I didn't even know that she sold flowers, you know, I would have, or else I would have, I would have, I would or else I would have bought them you know, from, from her. Uh, we've been, uh, for the children, we've been giving away today some books for uh, folks. We want to do that again uh, tonight. Uh, and so for single folks, we've got another uh, devotional here by John Calvin uh, called Heart Aflame. And I'm wondering if any uh, single folks, older teens, remember uh, what was the worst job that I ever had from this morning? Anyone remember what the worst? I uh, got yeah, in the back. The tree nursery, that's right. Yeah, very good. I can just leave it up here and you can come get this book afterwards. Good job. All right. And I've got another uh, book for parents. Again, the uh, uh, devotional on the Shorter Catechism by Star Mead, Training Hearts and Teaching uh, Minds. Uh, Does anyone remember from this morning, what was the name of the lady who has the ministry called Celebrate Kids? No, not from our family. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right, Kathy Coach. So I'll leave that, I'll leave that up here for you. And um, let's see, for our, if you're between 9 and 14, you weren't here this morning, but you were here last night. And uh, does anyone between 9 and 14 remember the, um, uh, the German family that, uh, from last night, you heard about a German family who made a certain beverage that you shouldn't have heard of, uh, but uh, was also well-known for family worship. Yeah, right there with the hat. The Guinness family, that's right. So this is a book by Simonetta Carr and Augustine, so you pick that up later. And then for uh, eight and under, uh, our wonderful voice this year, Pastor Pontier, uh, uh, does, do any of you remember how many years, if you're eight or under, how many years has Pastor Pontier been serving on the board of this camp? Richard, 30 years, you got it, that's right. Now this is, this is actually, now that I'm thinking about it, this might be for one of your younger sisters, but this is for you. Uh, these, are, these, are color, these are coloring books. You can have them, but um, your sister might, might prefer them. Uh, so tonight, uh, we are going to be talking together about uh, Christian family living and our witness uh, to the world. And so let's pray together, and then we're going to turn in the scripture to Deuteronomy chapter 4. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful again for this uh, day that you've blessed us with. What a glorious uh, day. We thank you for the fresh uh, air that we can breathe together, that we can gather again tonight, Lord, anticipating uh, your meeting with us as we open the scripture and having fun together later in the, uh, in the program and the talent night. Uh, So we pray that you would bless our time together this night, that uh, you would work in us by your spirit, that we would be encouraged 
uh, as those seeking to live for Jesus Christ uh, in this world today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So please uh, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we'll be reading the first 10 uh, verses of Deuteronomy chapter 4. This is God's word, Deuteronomy 4. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform in order that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor for all the men who followed Baal Peor. The Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do thus in the land where you're entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children." I am a Christian. The young man said nothing else as he stood before the Roman governor, his life hanging in the balance. His accusers pressed him again, hoping to trip him up or force him to recant. But once more, he answered with the same short phrase, I am a Christian. It was the middle of the second century during the reign of Emperor Marcus Aurelius. Christianity was illegal, and believers throughout the Roman Empire faced the threat of imprisonment, torture, or death. Persecution was especially intense in southern Europe, where Sanctus, a deacon from Vienna, had been arrested and brought to trial. The young man was repeatedly told to renounce the faith he professed, but his resolve was undeterred, I am a Christian. He said, no matter what question he was asked, he always gave the same unchanging answer. According to the ancient church historian Eusebius, Sanctus girded himself against his accusers with such firmness that he would not even tell his name or the nation or city to which he belonged or whether he was bond or free, but answered in the Roman tongue to all their questions, I am a Christian. And when at last it became obvious he'd say nothing else, he was condemned to severe torture and a public death in the amphitheater. 
On the day of his execution, he was forced to run the gauntlet, subjected to wild beasts, and fastened to a chair of burning iron. Throughout all of it, his accusers kept trying to break him, convinced that his resistance would crack under the pain of torment. But as Eusebius recounted, even thus they did not hear a word from Sanctus except the confession which he had uttered from the beginning. His dying words told of an undying commitment. His rallying cry remained constant throughout his entire trial. I am a Christian. And so uh, Sanctus died. I am a Christian. Uh, Again and again, uh, he testified before the world. Uh, Many years ago, uh, Francis Schaeffer, a uh, great Christian philosopher that many of us are, uh, know, he wrote this. He said, we as Bible-believing evangelical Christians are locked in a battle. This is not a friendly gentleman's discussion. It is a life-and-death conflict between the spiritual hosts of wickedness and those who claim the name of Christ. But do we really believe that we're in a life-and-death battle? Do we really believe that the part we play in the battle has consequences for whether or not men and women will spend eternity in hell? Or whether or not those who do live will live in a climate of moral perversion and degradation? Sadly, we must say that very few in the evangelical world have acted as if these things are true. Where is the clear voice speaking to the crucial issues of the day? with distinctively biblical Christian answers. With tears, we must say it is not there, and that a large segment of the evangelical world has become seduced by the world spirit of this present age. And more than this, we can expect the future to be a further disaster if the evangelical world does not take a stand for biblical truth and morality in the full spectrum of life. Now, did you catch those words that uh, Francis Schaeffer mentioned there in that, in, that, uh, in that quote? What is our key witness uh, to the world as Christian families, as those who uh, not only are concerned about our relationships to one another as husband and wife and parent and child and brother and sister, but what is our concern about uh, our witness to those around us? What are we testifying to Uh, what it means to be a follower uh, of Jesus Christ. And uh, and Francis Schaeffer said there in that quote, well, the key here is we're looking for Bible-believing, distinctively biblical and uh, biblical truth kind of living. Our witness to the world must be rooted uh, in the Word. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 that I read for us a few minutes ago, Um, The people's testimony and witness to the world uh, is dependent upon their being rooted in uh, and living out of the word of God that he has given uh, to them, right? Deuteronomy 4 talks about how the Lord has uh, given them statutes. Verse 2, you shall not add to the word which I am commanding you uh, today. Verse 5, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord Commanded, So keep and do them, verse uh, 6. Or what great nation is there that has statutes and, and judgments like these? And, uh, and on it goes uh, there that the Lord has given them his words. Um, 
Our witness to the world, first of all, we have to remember, according to the scripture, is rooted in uh, the word of God. That as we live for the Lord, we have no wisdom uh, in ourselves. We have no righteousness in ourselves. We have no light in ourselves. Our witness to the world is not a witness to ourselves, but it's a witness to God, his son, and to the word that he has spoken, his righteousness, his wisdom, his grace, his power, his mercy, his plan, his purpose, uh, his glory. And that witness uh, of ours to the world flourishes as we are rooted in the word. Uh, that is why, as you know, Psalm 1 uh, speaks about the man uh, who is blessed, uh, who is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in season, uh, because the believer is firmly planted in the law of the Lord, in the word of the Lord, and is delighting in it day and night. And so our witness to the world as a Christian family has to always, first of all, be rooted in the word of God. That's why, uh, if you have your Bible, again, I invite you to turn, turn with me. Turn over to the New Testament, to 1 Peter chapter 2. This is a passage we also want to look at uh, together tonight, along with Deuteronomy 4. Uh, but in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 1 and 2, this is, what we, this is what we read. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slit, you may grow in respect to salvation. And so that passage reminds us that in order for believers and a Christian family to bear tasty fruit in its witness to the world, every member of that family needs to have a taste and a hankering uh, for the word of God. Uh, that's where our witness to the world begins. Rooted in the word, uh, desiring the word, because by the word, the Bible says, uh, we will grow. We're to have a a craving for it. And so, um, you know, the children can think about how, you know, here at family camp, we've gotten all sorts of good food, and we have all sorts of desserts that we've been eating, and, um, you know, how children have this craving for ice cream, and they taste ice cream, and they have this uh, desire, this craving for more. And the Bible pictures believers who've tasted that the Lord is good, uh, have this hankering, uh, desire, craving for the word of God, that by it we would grow. And so there's no faithful witness to the world as a Christian family unless there is, first of all, a rootedness in the word of God. Now, this, of course, is the word of God, that they might grow uh, thereby. One, uh, one Bible commentator says this, The Lord expresses his rule in his church insofar as the scripture is preached, explained, applied, and obeyed. To diminish the dominating role of scripture in the life of the church is to treat the Lord of the church as if his revelation were optional. It's nothing short of mutiny, and the seriousness of such revolt cannot be comprehended. Non-biblical ministry, non-expository preaching, and non-doctrinal teaching usurp Christ's headship silencing his voice to his sheep. That kind of devastating approach steals the mind of Christ away from the body of Christ, builds indifference toward his word, and quenches the work of his spirit. It removes protection from error and sin, eliminates transcendence and clarity, 
cripples worship and sows seeds of compromise. It deflects the honor due to the true head of the church. And the Lord does not take kindly to those who would steal his glory. So simply said, the truth of the word of God must dominate in our lives that our witness would be strong. And where the battle rages in our world today, and where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier uh, is proven. Uh, I have a hobby. Uh, my hobby is reading about, studying, and uh, visiting battlefields of the Civil War. I'm reminded of a Civil War song uh, that was written making, making fun of those who disappear from the line of battle uh, right at the time of uh, a crucial time. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and it goes like this. Um, well, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, but it goes like this. Uh, do they miss me in the trenches? Do they miss me? Uh, when the shells fly so thickly around, do they know that I've run down the hillside uh, to look for my hole in the ground? Um, right? So that's, that's kind of making fun of, well, sometimes we as Christians are like that, right? That where the battle's raging, um, we abandon the, the, the line of battle and we seek to hide. So what does that mean? Well, the Bible says this, that this is pure and undefiled religion. Visit orphans and widows, uh, James 1 tells us. Uh, the battle raging in our own culture. 92% of babies in the womb identified as Down syndrome uh, are aborted. Uh, that's a battle raging uh, in our culture. There are 115,000 abortions a day in the world, uh, 35,000 a day in China, 42 million every year worldwide. According to one national study of young adults, close to 80% of unmarried, church-going, conservative Protestants who are currently dating someone are having sex of some sort. Marriage has been redefined. Sexual immorality of all sorts is prevalent in our culture. Uh, this is where the battle is raging and we're talking about our witness to the world where is the witness of the church uh, in these battles i mentioned earlier this morning a man named david platt wrote a book called countercultural he says this let us not stay silent with this gospel let's not allow fear in our culture to muzzle our faith in christ and let's not enable indecision to rule our lives Let's not permit delay to characterize our days. We don't have to ask what the will of God is. He's made it clear. He wants his people to provide for the poor, to value the unborn, to care for orphans and widows, to rescue people from slavery, to defend marriage, to war against sexual immorality in all its forms in every area of our lives, to love our neighbors as ourselves, regardless of their ethnicity, to practice, uh, to practice the... Um, the love of the Savior for the world. And so we are called to, to bring that gospel uh, to the people uh, of our culture. So our witness to the world is rooted in the word, and our witness to the world uh, grows in union with Christ. Hopefully you have your Bible open, and uh, we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're craving uh, the milk of the word that we might grow in our witness to the world. And also we are uh, growing in union with Christ. Notice what the Bible says, verse 4. And coming to him, 
as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so here's our question. When we're thinking about our witness to the world, how are we uh, built up as a spiritual house so that we can offer acceptable sacrifices to God? How does a Christian family grow in its witness to the world? Uh, Peter puts it this way. He says, coming to him. Coming to coming to him, coming to Jesus, coming to the living stone, uh, you will be built up, as it were, as living stones, uh, as a spiritual house to offer acceptable sacrifices to him. So that's how a Christian family is built up, becomes more faithful in its witness to the glory and preciousness and beauty of God by coming to Jesus, coming before him, coming to him, gathering around him, looking up to him, uh, bowing down, in front of him. So we're rooted in the word and our witness to the world, and we are uh, growing in our union with Christ. How so? Well, we're united to him so that we might grow up in him as we come to him. The psalmist puts it this way uh, in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So if we want to be a faithful witness to the world, the Bible says, how do we do that? Well, we need to be built up as we come to Jesus. We come to him, and as we heard this week, we come to him in family worship. We come to him in uh, worship on the Lord's Day. We come to him as families. We come to him in prayer, uh, and, uh, and we come to him, and Psalm 127 says, unless you're building your house on the Lord, you are laboring in vain, and you're not going to have uh, any kind of faithful witness to the world if you're building your Christian family on anything but the Lord, if you're not coming to, to Christ. That's important for us because we have to ask, well, how many families are laboring in vain? How many young couples are laboring in vain? They might have big plans for their house. They might have big plans for their career. They might have big plans for how much money they're going to make the impact they're going to have on the world, the good they will do, the things they'll accomplish. Uh, but the Bible says it's all in vain. All those building projects are, are gone awry unless we first come to him. It does not have the blessing of God. Well, why not? Because we're not building on the Lord. We're not building upon his word. We're not building in union with Christ. We're not coming to him when we think about being a, a witness to the world. We're running ahead of him. We might be running without him. We might be building without him. And it's all in vain. And, uh, and as the children know, if I could get their attention, as the children know, if you build your house uh, on the sand, your house goes... Splat. Yes, splat. That's right. Uh, so we're, we're to come to Jesus... He builds us up that we might be a faithful witness uh, to him. I remember when I was in uh, college, my wife and I, or my wife-to-be, uh, went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, 
And as part of that trip, uh, we were called upon to, um, uh, in, uh, in the Dominican, we were called upon to do some construction work in a Haitian village. And so I was part of a work crew where we had to uh, put together a roof uh, for a pastor's uh, house. And so we did all the work. Uh, we actually built it on the ground, uh, put it all together on the ground, and then we hoisted it up somehow. I forget exactly how we did it. Uh, hoisted it up and uh, put it on top of this uh, building, and we were all proud of ourselves that we had done such a great job as uh, college-age students uh, to get this roof uh, up, on this, up on this house. And so uh, a little while later, uh, a man from the local village came walking by, and he, we saw him talking to the, man in, uh, to the man in charge of our college group, and we thought, oh, he must, be, he must be just overflowing with Thanksgiving for the work we're doing here. And, uh, but no, it turns out that this man coming by uh, turned out to be the city building inspector, which, lo and behold, we certainly didn't believe they had in this Haitian village, uh, but they did. And he told us that we had not built that roof uh, to code, and we would need to take that roof off the building and, um, and build it again. And we were incredibly frustrated. And uh, his word to our leader was this. Uh, you should have come to me first. You should have come to me first. That's a, that's a wonderful picture of before we build, before we think about being a witness to the world, we've we got to be rooted in the word uh, because by it we grow. And also we, we, we are built into a spiritual house that will be a blessing to the world only as we come to him. Uh, we're built up in Christ and in union with Christ. And apart from him, uh, we build in vain. And that means if we come to him and uh, we're built in, in union with Christ for our witness to the world, that means that our witness to the world is going to involve suffering because we're coming to Christ and we know, of course, that he suffered in his witness to the world. That means we then, too, uh, may in fact suffer uh, in our witness to the world. Again, David Platt says this, Gone are the days. So you think about we want to be a Christian families witnessing to the world out there. Uh, listen to what David Platt says. He said, Gone are the days when it was socially beneficial to be in church at the beginning of the week. Gone are the days when it was publicly acceptable to follow Christ every other day of the week. Here are the days today in America when holding fast to the gospel, actually believing the Bible... And putting it into practice will mean risking your reputation, sacrificing your social status, disagreeing with your closest family and friends, jeopardizing your economic security and earthly stability, giving away your possessions, leaving behind the accolades of the world, and depending on where and how God leads you, potentially losing your life. What if Christ's call, he says, in our lives is not to comfort in our culture, what if Christ in us actually compels us to counter our culture, not to quietly sit and watch evolving cultural trends and not to subtly shift our views amid changing cultural tides, but to courageously share and show our convictions through what we say and how we, we live. And so our witness to the world, we're rooted in the word, we're, um, we're built up in union with Christ, we're being built into a spiritual house, and uh, part of our witness to the world then, and in the, the Bible, is to, is to testify then to the world um, who we belong to. This is what this passage 
emphasizes. 1 Peter 2.9 goes like this. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people. So what it says. A people for God's own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the uh, calling that we have been given. We are, in fact, uh, called to be uh, God's own possession, uh, that we are called to belong uh, to him. This is what this passage teaches us. In his book, uh, Slave, the Hidden Truth About Your Identity in Christ, uh, John MacArthur suggests that there's been a carefully concealed cover-up with the translation of the Greek word doulos as servant rather than slave. Often in your Bible, uh, where that Greek word appears, doulos, slave, a lot of translations of the scripture will translate it as servant. Uh, And what he points out in that book is that the, the proper translation, which conveys the meaning of the word, is slave. And the two words in the Bible, servant and slave, and the words in the first century are not the same. The difference uh, is this, and and you know that, a servant is hired and a slave is owned. A servant punches a clock, clocks in, clocks out, but has time when she's off duty. Uh, A slave's time belongs to the master. There's no time when he's off duty. There's no time when he's not a slave. Now, friends, in the Bible, a Christian's relationship to Jesus Christ is not that we are a hired worker who goes to work for a certain amount of time, works for his wages, and then has some time for himself. Rather, the Christian in the Bible uh, is described as a slave of Christ, a slave of righteousness, who's been bought with a price and is no longer her own or his own, They belong to another. Uh, As the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism puts it, I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 2.9. We are a people chosen by God, holy nation, for God's own possession. Friends, our witness to the world is that by God's grace, by his mercy, uh, we who were once slaves to sin have been bought with a price so that we might, in fact, become slaves of righteousness and, in fact, that we belong, body and soul, to God. That he, in that sense, owns us. He owns us. That's our witness to the world. That we belong to him. Um, Yes, the Bible says we are sons of the king and daughters of the king. We are the family of God. He calls us friends. He calls us children. But we miss something very crucial about about our witness to the world and our our living as as a Christian family when we neglect the biblical teaching that in our witness to the world, we are testifying to others in our neighborhood and in our city and in our country that we are, in fact, uh, 
the possession of God, that we are owned by him, that we are slaves of Christ. We belong to him, uh, we are his, and he has the absolute authority and power and right over our entire being, and he rules us by his word. That is our, that is our witness to the world. Um, why is that important? Well, if you have your Bible, again, just turn with me quickly, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, where the Apostle Paul, very practically, talking about our witness uh, to the world. What does a Christian uh, think about uh, their life and, in fact, their body? And 1 Corinthians 6, 19 goes like this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and that, notice what the Bible says here, that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, this is our witness to the world. So, contrary to popular opinion, the Bible says, as a believer, uh, you are not your own. Now, you might say, but listen, I have a right to do with my body whatever I want. I, uh, if I want to put holes in this part of my body or a tattoo this part of my body or abuse this part of my body or cut this part of my body or neglect this part of my body, it's none of anybody's business but my own. It's my body. The Bible says, hold on, uh, hold on. If you believe in Jesus Christ, uh, you are not your own. Why not? The Bible says you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And you say, well, what price? Um, And the Bible says, well, you've been bought with the price of the precious blood of Christ in Acts 20, 28. The, The church purchased with the blood of Christ. Rooted in the word, uh, we come to Christ. We're not our own. This is our witness, you see. We say to the world, body and soul, hands off. See? I belong to God. He owns me. I belong to him. He has purchased me with the blood of his son. I am a Christian. I belong to him. You see? The world says, and the world will say to you and say to me, no, 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 no. You belong to us. You belong to the state. You belong to the government. Uh, You belong to yourself. You belong to the millennials. Uh, You belong to Generation X or Y or Double Z or, um, you know, whatever, whatever whatever it might. You belong to your company. You belong to your job. You belong to your friends. Uh, the world says, you know, there might be someone actually in your life right now who has said to you or would have you believe or wants you to think you belong to me, right? Someone might be in your life saying, listen, you belong to me. And in fact, friends, the Bible tells us the question is not whether or not you will be a slave, but the question is in the Bible, to whom are you a slave? The question in the Bible is to whom do you belong already? And uh, the question is, what is your identity? To whom do you belong tonight? Because that is your witness to the world. 
The Bible says you're either, and I'm either a slave to sin, or I'm a slave to righteousness. In fact, 2 Peter 2.19 puts it this way. For by what, listen to what the Bible says, for by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Did you catch that? The Bible says, by what a man or by what a woman is overcome, or what, what masters you, that is what you are enslaved to. And Christian believers, friends, testify to the world that we've been overcome by the love of Christ for sinners like us, and we belong to no one but Christ. We are slaves of Christ, and when he speaks, we listen, and we live by, well, as the Bible puts it, every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. And so our witness to the world is rooted in the word. Deuteronomy 4 says there's no witness to the world unless we are rooted deeply uh, in the gift of God's word to us. Uh, Peter says we, uh, we need to crave it. We need to long for it because we grow by it. So our witness is rooted in the word. Our, our witness it grows in union with Christ. We come to Jesus. Uh, we build on the rock. That is how we're built up to offer spiritual sacrifices uh, the Bible says our testimony to the world is that we belong to God. He's bought us with the blood of Christ, and uh, we're his own possession. And friends, our witness to the world, finally, uh, must consider uh, the next generation. Uh, this is what uh, this passage is so important for us when we think about our witness to the world. That is, not only must we be concerned about our witness to the world today as a church or a Christian family, but we must be concerned about the witness of our children in the next generation. We're rooted in the word. We come to Christ. Uh, we know we belong to him. Uh, but friends, our witness to the world is also a witness that we want to be a witness that goes on in generations to come, you see. And that's so important because you, we all remember the story in Judges chapter 2 where... Um, we read of the glory days of Joshua, right, where all the people served the Lord. What a witness that was, right? What a witness that was um, to the world. All the elders in Joshua's day served the Lord all the days of, 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 of Joshua. All, they, all, they all loved the Lord. And then, um, and then the Bible simply says that generation died, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Part of our witness to the world is that uh, we must first be a witness to our children and to the next generation so that they too can be a witness to the world. Uh, imagine, a, imagine a generation today growing up uh, who didn't know about uh, D-Day, right? Imagine a generation here in America growing up today who didn't know about D-Day and that we, that we just had the uh, 75th um, anniversary of the landing at Normandy just a short time ago. Imagine a generation growing up today in our country uh, who didn't know about the Holocaust and uh, the many who died and the many who sacrificed their lives in order to stop the Nazi regime. Uh, imagine a generation today growing up who didn't know about the... Uh, 
the rescue workers and the firemen of uh, 9-11 who gave their lives to save others at the World Trade Center. Um, how can we not tell them? A few weeks ago, uh, our family was in Pennsylvania for our son Nathan's wedding. And uh, the wedding was about 30 minutes from where uh, Flight 93 went down. Remember Flight 93? Went down in Pennsylvania. One of the uh, planes that was uh, hijacked by the terrorists, and they were hoping to fly it into the Capitol building or into the, into the, into the White House. And uh, it was the first time my, my wife and I were at a memorial uh, where... Um, uh, where we had experienced something uh, that our children had never experienced. And so we were there, and they watched some videos of the towers coming down, and they listened to some recordings of people who um, made phone calls from that Flight 93 before it went down. And they heard about the testimony of this uh, Christian man named Todd Beamer, who with others had, um, uh, had uh, attacked the terrorists on that plane and... Uh, save the lives, sacrifice their own lives so that they could save the lives of, of many more. And then that plane went down and, and everyone in that plane died in that field in Pennsylvania. And so as we're standing there as parents, we're thinking this is something that we went through and this is something that we saw and something that, that we experienced. And, and as our children were watching it, we were, we were hoping that they would see and hear something so that they would somehow understand what it was all about about sin and evil, but about the sacrifice of many so that others might live. And friends, our witness to the world begins with our witness to our children. Remember what Deuteronomy 4 said. It said it this. Only give heed to yourself, Deuteronomy 4, 9, and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my word, so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Uh, so the Bible says part of our witness to the world is being rooted in the word of God, in union with Christ. We belong to Christ. We belong to God. We are his precious possession and we make sure that we uh, teach our children that they do not forget but that they would remember all the wonderful deeds of God that he's entered into a relationship with us a covenant with us that he's been so gracious to us in forgiving our sins and in calling us uh, to himself and they need to remember and so if you want to be a, a witness to the world we have to first of all make sure that we are faithful witnesses to our own children and to the next generation so that they can be a witness when we are long gone and so the lord says remember to teach your son your grandsons and your children that they would know the lord and that they would testify to the world around them peter ends it the the Verses we were going to read this way. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. You see. 
And the Bible tells us that as we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, rooted in that word, union with Christ, testifying we belong to him, we are not our own, but body and soul belong to Jesus Christ. And as we live for him in this world in which we live, the Bible says, uh, by his grace, God will use that. God will use that even for those who slander us, even for those who attack us, even for those who curse the church. The Bible tells us the church will still shine as a witness of God, a witness of his grace in the world in which we live. As uh, David Platt nicely put it, he said, when it comes to our witness to the world, the gospel of Christ is not a call to cultural compromise in the face of fear. It's a call to countercultural crucifixion, death to self in the face of earthly opposition for the sake of eternal reward. Consequently, he says, we must be careful across the church not to minimize the magnitude of what it means to follow Christ. As the church in our culture, we must make sure not to preach a gospel that merely imagines Christ as the means to a casual, conservative, comfortable Christian spin on the American dream. The gospel is a call for every one of us to die, to die to sin, and to die to self, and to live with unshakable trust in Christ, choosing to follow his word even when it brings us into clear confrontation with our culture. I am a Christian. Uh, I end with this. The um, General Assembly of our church, again, was held a couple of weeks ago or a week or two ago in Dallas, Texas, and um, we were uh, addressed uh, for the first time at our assembly, apparently first time that we had a uh, fraternal delegate uh, from the Presbyterian Church uh, of China. You know, we have missionaries there, of course, in China, and um, apparently for the first time at one of our assemblies, uh, one of these men who has uh, come to faith over there serving the Lord in China uh, came here to America to address uh, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And you know about the persecution in China, and, um, and uh, despite their witness to Christ, uh, how in the, this past year especially that there has been uh, a ramp up of persecution against uh, the church and uh, he told us actually that there's a I didn't know about this but he, he, he talked about how there is a um, a movement in China it's called uh, reduce to zero he said um, and uh, assume that meant that the government uh, is committed to reducing the the Christian witness to zero uh, in the country of China and uh, but he said this he said I know we know that you've been praying for us in in China and um, um, you know, we're thankful for your, your prayers and, and we're thankful for the work of the Lord. And he said, but when you pray for us in China, uh, don't think of us as, um, uh, you know, the Christians in, Ch in China who are, who are in the darkness uh, hoping for uh, the coming of the dawn. Don't pray for us that way. We don't think about ourselves that way, that we are in the darkness hoping for the coming dawn. He said, we believe uh, we are the coming dawn. In China, we are uh, the light uh, here in this country. Don't think, and, and, and friends, we can learn from that. We can take a lesson from the church in China. Uh, don't think about our witness to the world as somehow that we as the church are, are in the darkness and we are hoping for uh, the light 
uh, of the dawn. The Bible says as we are rooted in the word, as we live out of the word, as we come to Christ, as we build on Christ, as we testify to this world around us uh, that we belong to him, uh, body and soul, uh, we will faithfully shine the light in our world. We are not in the darkness waiting for the dawn. We are the dawn. We are meant to shine when we go home and, and every day uh, of uh, our lives as the people of God testifying with sanctus, you see. Uh, I am a Christian. May that be our witness to the world. As we go home this week, as we live for the Lord, um, I belong to him. May that be true of us. Let's pray uh, together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the scripture. We're thankful that we can, Lord, take time uh, in, our, uh, in our lives to uh, set aside our, our daily work and, and schedules, Lord, and to come together here at the camp and uh, open up your word together, Lord, and seek your blessing. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for, for all of us who've gathered tonight, no matter what our ages might be. And Lord, we pray that we would be encouraged tonight that uh, you have uh, called us to be a witness in this world, to testify uh, to the truth of your word, to the truth of who we belong to, that we belong to our gracious Savior, that we are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer mastered by sin, but we've been mastered by the Savior who has died for us and that we have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ and that it's our joy to live for him, that others might come to know him and bring you glory. Help us, Lord, to be encouraged by our brothers and sisters in China even tonight, uh, to know that they too, as us, are called to be uh, the light uh, of the world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.